0: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to Yo Quiero Dinero, a personal finance podcast for the modern Latina. This ain't your abuelita's financial advice. I'm your host, Janice Torres Rodriguez, and I'm here to help you tackle grown woman business when it comes to all things dinero. We're going to talk about how to make it, keep it, and grow it. On that note, vamos. Hola, mi gente. Welcome back to the Yo Quiero Dinero podcast. This is your host, Janice, and I am very excited about today's episode because I have to tell you, it's a little bit different. Now, when I first started this podcast, my intention was for this to be a space where, of course, we discuss personal finance. After all, the word dinero is in the title. But I also am a firm believer in the power of the mind and especially mindset when it comes to the things that you're able to accomplish in life. Have you ever felt extremely overwhelmed by all the things you should be doing physically, mentally, spiritually, financially, but you don't even know where to begin? I know I have, and my next guest is reshaping her life's mission because of those exact same frustrations. Today, we're talking to a phenomenal Latina who's using her frustration to fuel her passion for uplifting, mentoring, and empowering Latinas to live their best lives. We're going to discuss her personal journey to self-discovery and how that's shaping all aspects of her life, including her relationship with money. I don't want to tell her whole story, so let's get into our conversation with Diana. Diana Pinedo is the CEO and founder of Misinformed Latina and director of client partnerships at iHeartMedia. She has over 10 years of marketing experience with expertise in digital multicultural media and healthcare advertising. She's worked on the corporate side as well as the startup side, and no matter the size, she firmly believes that inspiring others, embracing challenges, adding value and impact, and creating new ways of thinking are key to the success of any organization. Within each role, she's intentionally and purposefully been an advocate for Latinas and multicultural audiences and found that there's a huge gap in the understanding and representation of this demographic. With that understanding, along with her own personal journey of being a Latina and navigating adult life, she founded Misinformed Latina, a platform dedicated to helping inform disenfranchised communities of color about the six pillars that she considers fundamental in life. These include education, career, finances, health, relationships, and personal growth. She truly believes that if we had better resources, tools, and structures around these pillars, we could help more communities of color make more informed decisions to live a much more prosperous and purposeful life. She became interested in personal finances around the age of 27 or 28 when she needed to roll over a 401k plan and had no clue how to do it. She cried on a call with the broker from Fidelity that day because she felt so lost and ashamed. And that's when she founded Misinformed Latina. It stemmed from that awful moment of being frustrated about how misinformed she was about so many things, but especially about personal finance. She knew that if she felt this way, surely all of her Latina girlfriends were lost too. And indeed, that was the truth. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Diana. So Diana, thank you so much for being here. I am super excited to have this conversation with you. Um, We're going to be diving into mindset and all types of aspects about why you started your blog, which I love this name, by the way, because it's like a play on words, right? It is. It is. Thank you. So I would just love for you to introduce yourself first off and kind of tell us the backstory about your blog. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And thank you so much for having me. I'm so thrilled to be here. Um, I'm also a big uh, nerd and fan of financial uh, planning and personal finance. So so I started Misinformed Latina um, th- almost three years ago, and it actually stemmed from personal finance. So I had had several jobs, and I needed to roll over my 401k. This normally happens when you switch jobs. And so I got on the phone with a fidelity associate and he started rambling off about mutual funds sabe <laughs> and I was like what <laughs> and, and you're gonna think this is so silly but I started crying to him and I said you know sir just do whatever you need to do with my money and I think I started crying because I was ashamed of the fact that I was I don't know 27 at the time, 27, 28, Mm -hmm. Um, and I didn't know what he was talking about, and I felt like I should have known, and I was like, damn it, why isn't it that anybody told me about how 401ks work, Mm -hmm. like, at lo más básico, just the most basic way they work, and like, what happens when money ships around, and why you need to, you know, move it around. And I was so upset. And I called my girlfriend, my really, really close best friend, Elvia. And I said, girl, I'm really frustrated. And we just started, you know, we always joke around. And we were like, we should create a whole series. Because she was like, I also don't know a lot about 401ks. Mm -hmm. And we're like, we should start a whole series called 401k. (laughs) Like a play on 401k. That's so Um, good. Oh, my God. and I hope to make that happen a whole series on. And so then we started talking about, we just got into a conversation and like, girl, how come, you know, our parents who are immigrant parents never told us about um, money or how to manage money or like what retirement means. And we start talking about like, how come they never told us about, you know, career or education or all these things that really make up your life. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I feel like we've been so misinformed and I know that, the responsibility does not lie on the school, but I feel like school failed me. Public school failed me and university failed me. I'm like, why didn't they teach us these fundamental things in life that will literally like make or break your adult life? And, right. and so then you walk through your life so blindly because you're just making decisions not knowing anything. You don't know if it's right. You don't know if it's wrong. And so that's really where Misinformed Latina started. I'm like, if we, you and I feel this way, could you imagine how many, and she's from, her family's from Ecuador, so she's also Latino Latina American. And I'm like, how many other people do you think feel this way? Like, it can't just be us. No, it's definitely not, girl. I'll tell you right now. <laughs> I am I'm part of that club. <laughs> and it's like I said, it stemmed from money, but it it was everything, right? Like, I, I don't know anything about relationships. And, and you kind of talked about mindset, right? Mm-hmm. About self confidence and self worth. I didn't grow up in a house that was full of self confidence, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. And so it's all these things that trickle down that really matter in your life. And it's like, oh, that's what you have to do to become successful. That's how wealth is made. Oh, and then you start doing your own research. And so that's how my play on feeling misinformed, MIS, turned into becoming misinformed, MS dot informed, mm-hmm. Because I started to do the work, right? And I am still a work in progress. And I am by no means an expert in any of these spaces. hmm And the reason I didn't focus on one niche, I didn't focus on personal finance or relationships or career is because those things work in tandem. And you said this earlier, light, every single day you wake up and you want to eat healthy and eat clean. So health matters, right? You want to have gratitude and maybe meditate. So, so your mental health matters. You want to kill it at work and crush it and work on your way towards that promotion career
0: matters. And while you're doing all of that, you still need to pay your bills.
1: Right. Life- and
0: if you're married or if you're in a relationship, you gotta manage those and nurture those relationships too.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. So I'm like, life doesn't work in it's not linear. It's not like, oh, today I'm only gonna worry about my finances. Or right. today I'm only gonna worry about my my fitness. It's those things are constantly working in tandem. It's like, how can I get information out there so that young women. And my goal is that is really to target young women. So Mm -hmm. misinformed Latina is really a blog slash platform to help disenfranchised young women of color um, to make more informed decisions about those aspects of life. I provide them with the advice, the the resources, the tips, so that they live a prosperous and fruitful life. I want to help the next generation of Latinas. I want to talk to my 22 year old self, knowing what I know now. So I and I know my information is not, it's relevant for all genders, and it's relevant for all ages. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've come across that I, you know, I see my esthetician and she's in her forties and she's like, I don't, I don't really know that much about 401ks. And I come across an elderly Latino couple and they're in their sixties. And they're like, "I, I really don't know about retirements either. And you're like,
0: what? Yeah. <laughs> Where is gen- this information? It's, it's a multi-generational issue. It's a societal problem. One hundred percent. But but I really wanted to target
1: that young Latina woman. I really want to like get her in the best position possible so that by the time she hits her 30s, 40s and beyond, she is armed with the resources and information to make informed decisions across all these aspects.
0: I love that. And I'm sure that as Director of Client Partnerships at iHeartMedia and with all the experience you have in marketing, especially towards like the multicultural Latino market, which let's be honest, anybody who's read any statistics knows that Latinos are the fastest growing minority population in the United States. The buying power of Latinos is increasing by billions of dollars a year. And this country will be majority Latino in the next 30, 40 years. So we if we're not helping each other move up like what are we doing as a society for ourselves you know
1: 100 percent. and i'm sure that you also look at all other cultures right Absolutely. i lo- i live in los angeles and i look at the jewish culture i look at the um arab culture and they do such a great job of building community yep and and like helping wealth continue to move generationally they really build that generational wealth for for themselves for their families and so forth and we don't and I think it's because because of this because we don't know because we don't know any better what's that really good uh Maya Angelou quote when you know better you do better right yes. Yep. and so I I truly believe that if if they just had better resources if they were taught then then they would do better and hopefully I would think that they would feel the need to contribute to the next generation, whether that's their own kids or outside of their own family.
0: Yep. Yeah. So speaking of that, what was your upbringing like with your relationship with money? Like how did you learn about money management? Did you learn about that at all? And kind of what, you know, what was the framework of your childhood that led you kind of towards the career path that you're in now?
1: Yeah, no, this is a great question. So I definitely grew up very humbly, um, Well, I would say lower middle class. So I was one of five kids and my parents got married in Mexico and they had their first three kids in Mexico. And I'm sure the story my dad would tell is he came to U.S. with a suitcase, three kids and a hundred dollars and and created his life. And so I grew up in a home that definitely did not talk about money at all. And um, my parents both worked at the post office for the majority of their career. So they had great federal be- benefits, right, working for a federal institution because of they had so many kids, but they didn't make a lot of money. Okay. Um, and all I remember is my dad. And by the way, to this day, the way he manages his bills is he takes out the envelopes and writes the, t- so this is his bills, right? He does not pay online. He's like, no, 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 mija, yo soy, you know, I'm, pro- I'm a mailman. No, 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 yo no quiero ninguno de los hackers. <laughs> you know, they're going to steal my information. No. Yep. You know, so my dad still pays his bills the way he, and you know what? He pays his bills on time. So do you, you know? My mom does the same thing. <laughs> right? So my dad, it's so, so he has all his bills. And he puts the total. So if it's a credit card, he'll put the balance literally with the pen. He'll write it on the top of that bill envelope and the due date. Mm -hmm. And I'm not kidding. If you were to walk into my parents' house today, it's the same way. He has all of his bills. But so I did it. And my mom was, so my dad managed all the bills. But my mom contributed. They both worked full time. Um, And so, and I remember there were instances where money would be brought up. And my, dad, my mom would be like, no, 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 yeah, Carlos, yeah, no, no, es su problema. You know, like it's none of our business. It's mm-hmm. not our problem. Don't talk about that. And I think it's because that's how my mom grew up. And she didn't know any better, right? Like we didn't talk about money, therefore, I'm not going to talk about money with kids, with my right. kids.
0: Yeah.
1: So that is, I, it was a very hush hush. The But. I had a, I had, we had a home, we had a backyard. My dad really believed in giving his kids vacations every year. And by vacations, I don't mean we were flying all over the world. I mean, we were going camping. Right. <laughs> and that, <Yeah>. and, it, <laughs> and that was a vacation. And you know what? I respect my parents for that. And I never looked at my childhood like it was poor. We didn't have enough. I loved my childhood it was it was great um and so yeah my parents took us you know camping and I think it's also we had there were so many kids right so imagine how how do you pay for seven people to fly anywhere yeah no not happening (laughs) actually girl let me tell you this is so funny We, we had like those old school um my family's from Mexico, um, and so we have. I'm like, I'm saying Mexican van, but it's the one that has like the ladder in the back and the yeah. tire. It's like a family <laughs> wagon. Yes. Okay, that was essentially our like, um, like our our RV. Mm-hmm. Okay, and there was a TV in it, like an old, which is fancy, right? A of TV course. and a VCR. Whoa, we were, we're so. Out. <laughs> 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 and we always had a yelera in the middle. Okay. Uh-huh. And uh, <laughs> and that was our road tripping van. And we loved it. Even to this day, my brothers and I joke like, dang, I can't believe Pop sold that. Like, It's just made so many beautiful memories of my whole life. And we took that to Mexico several times because, again, we were not going to fly to Mexico. And to go back to my parents' hometown was about three days, give or take, from L.A. all the way over there. Uh-huh. And, uh, and, yeah, we would just, uh, you know, We made the the most of it. And I, again, never felt like I lacked. And I also grew up going to the swap meet, okay? And it was my favorite memories. We would meet up with my tía and my primas, my mom's sister, and my two cousins who happened to be me and my sister's age. So it was always so fun, you know? I really consider them more hermanas que primas, hermanas. Mm -hmm. Because I grew up with them my whole life. And so we clothes was not bought at malls. Of course Clothes not. was bought at swap meets. And it was the our favorite thing in the whole planet to go do. To like, I mean, everything from ligas, calcetines, jeans. Oh, my gosh. Everything we bought was from there. So that's sort of how I grew up in terms of of uh, a money, I guess, if you wanted to paint a picture. Okay. The, the first time I got my lesson on money, you're going to die. I was 14 years old, Okay. I think 14, 13 or 14, somewhere around that. And I grew up in the suburbs of L.A. in a city called Palmdale. It's the Mojave Desert. It's closer to like Edwards Air Force Base, if you're familiar in terms of geography. But it's nothing. There's nothing there. Um, 75% of the people who live there commute to L.A. And it's about a two and a half hour commute. So these people spend almost six hours of their days just driving. Oh, my but the- God. But the homes are so cheap that people live there because the homes are cheap. It just doesn't have a robust economy um, and doesn't have any jobs there. So everybody drives into L.A. for work. Very similar to most, I guess, suburb towns where people live in the suburbs and then drive into the city to work. I was lucky enough that I didn't grow up with my most of my friends' parents drove to L.A. My parents, like I told you, worked in the post office, so they worked and lived in their city which honestly makes a big difference because they could pick us up from school or soccer practice or you know whatever and it was I really appreciate that so when I was 13 or 14 my dad was like Mija I'm gonna get you a credit card what I was like okay (laughs) oh boy dad yeah I was like oh my god I'm rich (laughs) so you probably, I don't know if you're familiar. So I grew up in the suburbs. There was a department store called Harris Gotchucks. Think of a Mervyn's, but cheaper. Okay. okay? And it's usually, it was, it doesn't, it no longer exists like Mervyn's. Um, and, uh, and it was my mom's favorite department store. So my dad got me a credit card to a department store. And he's like, meet Estos para emergencias, and you're like, what emergency do you need at an apartment store,
0: girl? That is a stretch.
1: A Visa, a MasterCard, generally those two, because those are accepted almost anywhere, makes sense. Because necesitas comida, gas, I don't know, a real emergency and you go to the emergency room, right. makes sense. What am I going to really do with a department store credit card? But oh my buy God, stuff. No, it wasn't
0: even a Visa, nothing. It was no. just like, for this, oh my Yes,
1: God. like your basic, yes, okay? <laughs> and I, in hindsight, I know my dad meant well. And this is his lesson, right? This is my lesson in money. So, of course, like any 13, 14-year-old girl who only ever shopped at the swap meet, what does she do when she goes to a department? My credit line was, I don't know, 200 bucks, okay? Which, when you never had money, is a lot of money, okay? Yep. So, we went, I went once, and, and I think I bought myself, I don't know, maybe a t-shirt. And my dad paid off the credit card, okay? No biggie. He didn't explain to me, this is what happens, You see this bill, you see this interest, you see what happens when you don't pay it off. No, 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 no. Never said anything. Mm -hmm. I went back again and I bought myself a Ralph Lauren Letterman jacket that was (laughs) the cost of my entire credit line.
0: Oh my God.
1: Roughly, let's say like 180 bucks. I don't remember. And... Girl, did I get that? Vienna ven para acá. <laughs> I'm like, oh, i that was always my dad's you're in trouble Saying, Yep. Vienna, there was like a two-story house. So we were like in our room and he was downstairs obviously paying his bills. <laughs> and I got lectured. But lectured in you're irresponsible. How dare you? You don't know how to manage money. Right? Not like, okay, I obviously didn't do a good job of explaining this to you. And how yeah. this works. No, no, no. It was a whole me castigo. I think I was grounded. And and that was my money lesson. That was my true money, real money, first money lesson that I ever got from my dad. And I would say, um, and, so, and it's happened, you know, over the course of my life, the same thing. My dad is more of a lecturer. There's a great example. <laughs> Nerd Wallet has a commercial out right now with a girl's like, with the dad and they're uh, cleaning dishes and she's like dad I want to ask you a question so I have this credit card debt and I want to know do you think it makes sense for me to refinance and roll this over and I don't know she's asking him for advice right and he turns and he looks at her and he says daughter or whatever "Um, I'll tell you the advice my dad told me the camel has one hump not two Or something like that, and you're like, okay, like that's not helping me. (laughs) That is my dad, girl. My dad is like, En esta vida, mija, tenemos que. Echarle agua a nuestras plantas, and you're like, okay, but like, should I open
0: up an IRA? Oh my god, girl, you I know, feel like your dad and my father are literally the exact same person, like, I literally cannot. And now I'm thinking, like, this is just a universal Latino parent thing where, like, they parent in one of two ways they lecture you on like things that are completely irrelevant on what the actual problem is, or they just scream and throw. A chancleta at you, you know. So it's like, where's the lesson, guys? where's Right.
1: The I actually let me tell you my biggest regret growing up with money. I I wanted to make my own money, right? Because like anybody. So when I was 16 years old, I got a job at the mall, the mall that I was telling you about. That's really the only places to get jobs. Like I told you, where I grew up in a suburb, where there, it was like um, jobs were very um, limiting. And I worked at a retail store. Uh, it was limited too. So it was like the little girl version of limited. I remember Um, that place. Yes, yes. (laughs) I worked there and I was terrible. I'm a horrible salesperson to this day. It's kind of funny that the realm in which I've taken, but um, I just don't like forcing people to buy things that I don't really believe in. Anyways, so I remember my first paycheck must have been like, I don't know, $40 let's just say after taxes, but I wasn't working very much. I was still in school I just wanted to make my own money. And the first thing I wanted to do was buy myself clothes And the cute trendy store was wet seal, right? Mm -hmm. So I was like, "Yay! I could finally buy that cute outfit and I did I I would buy my own cute outfits whatever with the very little money that I had and I really wish my, I would have, my dad would have sat me down and said, okay, I know you're starting to work now. When you get paid that first paycheck, come to me and we will open you up a Roth IRA or an IRA. Could you imagine how much money I would have now? And I'm like, why didn't he do that? And I have to say, I'm like knocking my, my dad is extremely intelligent. My dad has a master's degree when he was in Mexico. My dad grew up with a great education. My grandfather was a doctor and a very great businessman. So my dad did not grow up in like a small town or without resources. He yeah. grew up very well, very well. Obviously, it's just that he had to start over here. And I, my dad has stocks. He understands, reti- like he has that all for himself. It's just that he, I, I think that my dad did it. My dad got lazy. I think it's because he just, he, it's not that he didn't care it's that he was too tired to explain and help you understand because he was raising so many kids working overtime. Like, Oh, now I have to explain to my kids how money works. <laughs> it makes
0: a lot of sense though. It does.
1: I know. So, so that would like, that's how I grew up. And that's probably one of like my biggest, re- obviously it's the knowing what I know now. But I would say to all the parents out there, when your kids start making money, those are like the really fundamental places to put money. Yeah. Teach them how these accounts work. Teach them how stocks work. Real wealth is created through that. Real wealth is not created because your salary gets big. Doesn't matter.
0: Absolutely. And I think now I feel like this generation of women is the catalyst that's going to start those conversations because we know the information that we lacked and that we wanted and we can be a part of that change for the next generation. So I'm really excited about just the amount of people that are talking about this. It's like it's refreshing.
1: Absolutely. I completely agree. And I've learned actually almost most of my money lessons through the all the podcasts that I listen to and I generally choose to listen to mostly brown and black women led podcasts um and so I I make that a point because it's so relatable you understand where I came from you know so you understand the complexities and how sometimes things are not written out for our folk I guess I don't know that sounds awful but you know like they make it over complicated and you're like can you just break this down to me in simple terms yeah and I, and I think that's a way to keep the disenfranchised disenfranchised, right? It's like, I'm going to overcomplicate this. They're not going to understand it. So only us white privilege continue to eat at the wealth. Yeah. Well, and it's and unfortunate. It,
0: I think it also has to do with the fact that our parents' idea of success in America is not the same as what our idea of success is. You know, like our parents 100%. tell us, just go to school, get a degree, you'll be fine. Uh-huh. and I did all that and I was fucking miserable <laughs> <laughs> like straight up I'm just like really like mom dad this is this is what I'm supposed to be doing I'm getting into how much debt to get how many degrees to get a job that then I have to work out for the next 50 years of my life or more just to pay off the degrees like this ain't it, this mm-hmm. ain't it. <laughs> priest, yes. so talking about school what was your journey how did you end up doing what you do now Yeah, so I started going to school in New York
1: City. Oh, this is a good money story, too, because it's money in school. I really wanted to go to New York. I think it's because I grew up in such a small town, and I was always excited by the big city. I was like, I'm going to New York or Boston. Those were, like, my two choices. I didn't get into BU because uh, the dumb uh, calculation scores of, you know, SATs plus four plus your GPA, whatever. I didn't get in. I was really bummed. I like cried for 3 days cuz I didn't get into BU. Um, but I went to New York. I went to Pace University in New York. And I actually remember being so worried because the tuition was $40,000. I'm like there's that's how much my parents made. <laughs> like right. there was no way. But I did get a pretty nice scholarship took out some student loans, and my parents paid the remainder of it. So uh, I was a marketing and sociology major in New York. And I really enjoyed it. I loved the business classes. I really loved marketing. Um, And then after two years, I decided to move back home. I was really missing my family. Um, So I transferred over to Cal State Northridge, and I finished in marketing. Um, I left school with $38,000 of student loan debt. Uh, I'm still paying that off and we can get into that later. But yeah, that's, so I always knew I wanted to do marketing, but I would say when I went to CSUN, um, I didn't love the business school as much as I loved it in New York. It was much more stale. It was really, um, it was boring. And And in New York, it was exciting. We did like such great projects. We had, you know, we had to understand why Levi's you know, this is just a fun example, how they were able to turn their company around because, you know, Levi's used to be a very practical, um, gene for the everyday blue collar worker. It was not meant to be a designer product. And then all the new gene companies started coming in, right. And like the page and the true religions and the Joe's, um, and the sevens, and they essentially killed Levi's, um, and Levi's was like, wow. Anyways, that was like, it was so much fun. We did so much more of that while at Cal State which It wasn't as fun. So I ended up becoming a communications major. And I really love, I think people often say communications majors are like a joke. It's like, the joke is all the all the sports athletes who got scholarships to go to the schools because of sports yeah. are are comms majors because it's the quote unquote easy major. Mm. And I beg to differ in so many ways, um, but I think I'm just biased. But I was a marketing and comms major. I actually ended up taking more marketing classes and I stayed in school an extra year to become a communications major and get my degree in, in both. I love school. And so I think what helped me with communications is that communications majors in general are the bridge between sociology and psychology. Comms doesn't go as deep as a psychology does to thoroughly understand the mind and doesn't go as deep to understand the study of people. But it does it enough so that you in your everyday life understand why you and your husband communicate the way you do or you and your wife communicate the way you do or why you say and feel certain things and in your workplace or your family. And I feel like it really lends itself to better understanding how I, I communicate, not just personally, but professionally. And so that's why I really love I like really enjoyed being a comms major. While I was in school, I interned at uh, this doesn't exist anymore. It's called Mundos. It was essentially MTV 3 Oh yeah, it was TeleMundos MTV 3 and that's where I started. And I and I always knew I wanted to be to do something in multicultural marketing or work for like multicultural media. Um, I mean, it's the overused term. Multicultural generally is always referring to Latino but it should it's really encompassing of all cultures um, that are not represented in what is considered general market so uh, so yeah I started there and I sort of moved my way through all the studios you know living in LA it's a very popular and it's not easy it's just popular because there's so many jobs because all the studios are here I sort of weaved my way in and out of the studios and worked in marketing and the one thing that I didn't always work in multicultural. Actually, I, I I should say, I almost never worked in multicultural because it was it didn't matter oftentimes or those budgets were like, oh, no, we're going to cut it or it's not important. Often it was not important. This audience doesn't matter. That is so sad. I know. It was re- It was always the case for me growing up. Uh, it, well, in my career, I guess I, I should say, growing through my career, that it didn't matter. So uh, I made it a point when I was... Tw- when I had just started at an advertising agency, I remember my boss took me aside and said, Diana, what are you passionate about? You know? And I'm like, well, I'm really passionate about like, multicultural and Latino advertising, and I really want to. And he said, well, you should do that. And I'm like, actually, and I had done research. I'm like, there's this great conference um, in Miami. They used to always be out of Miami. Now they're mostly out of LA, and I just think it's just because it, things have shifted in this space. Um, but, and he's like, great, you should go. And I'm like, oh, like you guys will let me go. He's like, no, no, you're like, you're, you're a coordinator. You're like an entry level person. We're not going to pay for you to go. It's like, wow, thanks for valuing me. (laughs) He's like, but you should. And I was like, okay. So I went to my dad at the time I was making what was minimum wage at that time at an advertising agency, you make no money. Um, when you first start. And so I, I just, I, I had an apartment and I had a car. So I really had no extra money, you know, yeah. and I had student loans. So I went to my dad and I said, listen, dad, I really want to go to this conference. It's going to help me in my career. It's going to, you know, accelerate me in terms of like the Latino audience that I want to go after. And he was like, okay, put together a pitch proposal for me, explain to me exactly why and Like essentially build me a plan and a blueprint and I'll let you know if I can, I I will let you go. Like essentially pay for you to go. And so I did, I did that and he agreed. And by the way, when I say he let me go or he gave me money, my dad didn't have cash. It wasn't like, oh, I see Mika. Here's $3,000. No, no, no. He was like, here's a credit card that has no balance right now. Go ahead and book your flight. Go ahead and book your hotel on this credit card just know that I am going to charge you and you are going to pay this credit card <laughs> off with interest, okay? Uh uh-huh. And at the time, I didn't really understand it. I was like, okay, whatever. Was, and he's like, with interest. And I was like, yeah, whatever, dad. And I, well, not whatever, but like, thank you so much. Okay, great. So I went and I was so young and I didn't know one person and this conference was huge, right? It's like thousands of people. And I just networked. You know, I think when I was, right out of college, I was fearless. I was ballsy. I, I don't know. I was like, I, I feel like I was a different person than I am today. I think I've always been driven, but life has punched me so hard so many times that
0: sometimes you feel defeated. And when I was that age, I didn't. I didn't feel that way. So can you talk about what, you know, your evolution and kind of why that factor of your personality has been, changed
1: yeah I would say I got I got fired from that job um and that took a huge huge toll on my confidence and I got fired for not being detail-oriented enough like it it seems so silly now I look back and I'm like okay and I remember sitting there and and I think that was one um and so I had no money I had to sort of like restart and I had to figure things out for myself and so That was a huge, huge blow for me Um, in terms of my career, my self-esteem and my money. And I think I still carry that trauma, to be honest with you, throughout my entire career.
0: So I know one of your recent blog posts was about kind of not feeling like you're enough or just not feeling like you're just doing anything right when it comes to life. Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, I would say that's a really great example of that. But yeah, I think I grew up my whole life, often I had these moments of not feeling as resilient as that 26-year-old or 25-year-old flying to Miami. One, I'm one of five siblings, and all of my older siblings were really smart, really are, are really smart. Went to MIT, went to UC Berkeley, law, aeronautics, pre-med and then it was me and I I don't know I always felt like I wasn't the smartest I worked hard but I just was never as smart as my siblings so I was like that's an instance where I didn't feel enough I had so many times you know just being young growing up where like oh you would be prettier if you know Mm -hmm. and feeling like I'm not or I don't know being a girl and being so hard on ourselves and I think especially culturally, where, ah, estás flaquita, estás gordita, estás this, and you're like, they're always highlight the way you look. Yep. And I think that really affected me. And so, and my I grew up with a mom who is absolutely stunning, has always been in shape, and always felt unconfident, like really, really unconfident. And I think all these things sort of And I've always felt like I never had enough money. And no matter how much I've climbed up in my career and how much more money I'm making, I still feel like this is not enough. This is not enough. Um, And I think sometimes I feel over the course of my, I would say now in my 30s, that has really bothered me because having to try to figure out all these aspects of your life, money, career, relationships, Um, personal growth it's like how come I can't just get this all together you know why can't I just have a life where I'm working out and I'm eating clean and I'm not just paying my bills but I'm really building wealth and I'm crushing it at work why does that sometimes feel not just impossible but you know what I'm tired I don't want to yeah, Um. I don't I'm tired of trying to figure it out. I'm tired of trying and failing. And I think that that's, that's a lot of what my blog post was about. But it was in honesty how how I was feeling towards the tail end of last year, just like, feeling this need to quit. I don't want to do this anymore. And by quit, in honesty, quit life. Like, I had those moments, right, where you're so defeated, that you're like, I don't want to do this anymore.
0: This is too hard. So what have you done to kind of battle those feelings and turn things around? Well, uh, mindset. <laughs> yep. Uh
1: was 100% when I was like I have to stop thinking about it this way and I have to start looking at my life from a much more grateful lens. So and I needed to stop victimizing myself like, "Oh, poor you." It's like, "Poor me. My life is fine." <laughs>
0: No, it's but, uh, true. It's easy life... to get into that like pit of despair and you just, you can't see the light. So I co- I applaud you for just even making that recognition.
1: A hundred percent. I think that it was a lot of that. It was a lot of, you know, Diana, you're not gonna, you can't have it all, but what can you have right now? Let's just work on that, right? I love and that. So, and so that's kind of where I, I would say it started. And I was like, I have all these great ideas and all these wonderful ambitions. I'm just going to put myself out there because I had spent so much time with self-doubt, right? I had spent so much time living this imposter syndrome of like, I not only feeling defeated, but like, who am I to talk about these things? Clearly they're not working in my life. (laughs) (laughs) Like clearly I don't have my ish together. Right. (laughs) But I was like, no, if, even if I have, even if I know five more things than the average person, then that's five more things that I can give to somebody else. So I think it was that like pulling up my bootstraps, stop feeling victimized. And I was like, okay, I need to just, I need to just do it. I need to just do it and stop making excuses and stop having so much self pity, you know? And, and, and remember the North star end goal is like to give back, to contribute, you know? And so I think that's, it was mindset for me. It was, um, and I still have my ebbs and flows, but I definitely feel like I'm in a momentum in my life where I feel reassured. I love that. And that really has helped me my entire life. I'm, you know, there's love languages.
0: Yes. I love love, that book. I know.
1: (laughs) It's so good. My love language isn't just for personal. My love language is also for professional, I am somebody who kn- I know, and this has to do with confidence. I need to feel reassured. Not always, but it feels really good for me. It make it really puts the fire under my ass to be to work harder. It really adds drive and perseverance. I love when my boss, is like, by the way, Dan, I-, I heard on that campaign you did a really stellar job, and I just want to tell you, like, thank you so much. And you know, you're like okay, I'm doing a good job. Okay, great, great. Yeah, you know, and it's not like I just tell myself like, No, I know I'm doing a good job. I don't need my boss to tell me I know I've been putting in the work, right? I am somebody who really I like words of affirmation. Tell me I'm great. Tell me I'm doing a good job. Tell me that you're happy. I really need that reassurance and reinforcement. And it really like, helps build my momentum. And I just think that I'm, in this phase now in my life where I'm trying to let go of needing it so much and telling myself, I don't need somebody to tell me I'm great. I am great. I don't need somebody to tell me that this is, this is really valuable. I know how much value I add. Does that make sense?
0: I love that. Yeah. I mean, that makes so much sense. Well, first of all, you need to know these aspects of your personality because then you can actually ask people what you need from them, you know? Um, if nobody knows that that's the kind of affirmation that you need in order to feel like you're, you have a purpose and that you're achieving, then how are they going to know? So I think that self-awareness is like number one, if you don't even know what's going on inside of you, how can anybody help you?
1: One hundred percent. And I actually think, and I don't know if you feel this way, that it is very rooted culturally and especially for girls for several reasons, Right. But I I noticed it so you know, I started to finally put myself out there like for Misinformed Latina. And I got right away I got like ten speaking engagements booked and I was like, that's all I needed to do. It's like have the confidence, put myself out there, and look what happens. Doors have been open, right? Yep. And in my last speaking engagement, it went so well. It went extremely well. Again, that was like such a reinforcement and it you no, know, that's all I needed. It's like and my momentum has been like nonstop, right? This, this passion that I've had that I've been putting on hold for the last two years is now, like, being reinvigorated. But a young girl was like, you just touched me. I really needed to hear that. And I thought, how many other girls in this room needed to hear that? Yep. You know? And mind you, I didn't talk about this. I didn't go this deep. But I, I really wanted to talk about that in my blog post. And I always want to talk about not just the successes, Um, or I want to talk about when the times get really tough and you have to pull yourself out of that and, like, make it happen. I think we often look at people, like, in fitness is the best example. There's always a before and after, right? Yep. And usually the person speaking to you is on the after. I don't care about the after. Tell me about the in-between. That is how we relate as humans. We relate when times are tough. When time feels like there's not enough of it, when life throws all those curveballs at you, how do you get through it then? Absolutely. I want to know that, and so that was really my last post was about that and And I always want to come from that place you know i I have my I'm getting my things together, but I have my ebbs and flows, you know, like I said, I'm a big preacher of savings. Do I always save? No. And that's on, that's the truth, you know, like, and there's, there's like reasons behind that and something that I'm working through. So I I think it's like, when we connect, we don't connect, we connect because most of us connect in times of darkness and vulnerability and toughness, not in times of like, oh, everything's great, you know?
0: (laughs) That is so true. And I, I love what you talk about when you're saying, you know, like, There are peaks and valleys in life because there's no journey that is absolutely linear, you know? And I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was
1: looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me.
0: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash achieve today. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing. However, you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online store shop phase to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, did we just hit a million order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com dinero, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com dinero now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. shopify.com dinero. There's always a need to readjust based on what's going on both within you and externally. And, you know, the only people that never achieve anything in life are the ones that they don't even bother starting. So it's about putting that fear aside and just putting yourself out there like that's I think, honestly, that's what stops most people. It's just the fear of failure or the unknown or being uncomfortable And no one grows from a place of comfort. That's just like the worst place you can be if you're trying to change anything.
1: At 100%. I would also add to that. The other thing that sort of helped me, I haven't started therapy, but I finally took the leap in like, doing my research, finding somebody I really wanted to work with a woman. And I really wanted to work with a woman of color. I just want that's just what I want. That's like my own personal preference. Like not, it's not needed, but I definitely want us to treat mental health and therapy the way we treat physical, right? Like, you know, in school you have PE, right? Mm-hmm. In, in public schools, in high schools, K through 12 or whatever. Yep. Um, why don't, why do you, why are you required to go to PE class, but you're not required to sit down with like a mental health counselor?
0: Girl, I could do a whole episode on <laughs> mental health and the Latino community. Girl, oh, Can I just tell you a quick story before yes. we continue? Because I, I have been to therapy many times in life. You know, I've got, had depression, anxiety, the whole thing. And for the longest time, like, I just wasn't even comfortable telling my family. Because, you know, the stigma is always just like, well, first – therapy is para blanquitos like mm-hmm. if you have a problem you go to church you habla con dios you know, because <laughs> te salva, and whatever and i'm just like mom i get it but like that's not it right now like mm-hmm. this is a little bit more mm-hmm. clinically um relevant right this is a serious situation and i just i hate that about our culture like it just irks it irks me because it's just like you're making people feel like they have to be ashamed of something that happens to so many of us.
1: A hundred percent. Thank you for sharing that. And I also want to say it doesn't have to be until you're actually depressed. It should be the same way you treat a physical, right? You take a physical because you want to make sure, you know, the, your body's all good. Everything's really right. Smoothly. It should be preventative as much as it is when you've already, you know, gone down, down the dark side and are deeply depressed or really anxious why don't we start this much earlier on you know I, yeah. I just don't understand that I've done I've done therapy once in my life and I really liked it and I just couldn't afford to keep going at the time and now I'm going I'm I just found who I want to go with and I'm going to restart that well that's um,
0: another important point too that it is a cross-prohibitive thing so it's almost becoming like therapy's a luxury whereas like you oh know, yeah nobody questions like The need for clinics for people to go and get blood work and stuff done for the low income population, but like, where is the low income mental health therapy?
1: It's so much, and you know, I I want to add this. It's as important. I totally agree with everything you said about the Latino community. And yes, girl, we can have a whole other podcast on uh, religion (laughs) and how it plays within the culture. And I'm not disrespecting it. I respect it full, full, and wholeheartedly, but. Look at what's happening today. Think about all of the awful shootings that have happened in schools with teenage kids who are white, mostly, mostly. I I can't speak, I can't factually say that. So if it's needed in our culture, girl, it's just needed. It's just needed. Why are, it is, uh, they are literally dealing with awful issues that they are outpouring their, their, their need uh, for help in this terrible
0: way yeah I right? can't even imagine being a teenager nowadays with like social media and the internet and like snapchat and sexting I just I cannot I can't
1: girl I actually <laughs> want to say this too I'm gonna go back so after my speaking they were like oh we love motivational speakers and I'm like I'm not a motivational. I'm not trying to be kind of Tony Robbins that's the truth <laughs> no knock to Tony Robbins and I love Rachel Hollis and I love all the things that they preach and I listen to them and I'm not knocking them. I am like, I'm a practical speaker. I am not here to pour hope and faith into your life because let me tell you, prayers do not pay the bills. It's nice. the, I'm like, not that you should not have hope and faith. That's not what I'm saying. Right. But you need to have practical and tactical resources and understanding, fundamental understanding, to take this necessary steps. I am somebody who's like that. I'm like, don't be like, oh, you just like, you know how people are like, I had a business out of my garage. And then I'm, I made $10 million. I like, no, girl, no, what did you actually do? I want to know all of that.
0: Yes, I need a checklist, please. Yeah, yes,
1: <laughs> and that's how I work. I'm like, I need to go step by step. And I think that's how most people thoroughly understand things is when they do it themselves and they go through the steps. And so, and I think that plays, that's another thing, like in the Latino culture, just like, you just have to pray to God. It's like, well, you have to do a lot more. Sure. You know, if that's what you do and there's nothing wrong with that, but there's so much more, there's real actionable and tactical steps that I think we have to take. Just like you said, like, mom, I know I'm dealing with this stuff and sure. I, I could go to church and pray, but like, I, I also really need to deal with this from
0: a, from almost like a clinical scientific standpoint that, right. that the church can't give me. Well, that's the thing. It's like you, you have to pray, but then there has to be action behind it. A hundred percent. This is not, you know, we're not living in a divine realm where just miracles happen without any work. So
1: one and education and resources. I mean, right. I, I really believe like if all we needed is prayers, there would be no poverty in the world.
0: Right. Right. I mean
1: if that's all we needed you know so I, I, I'm a firm believer of that so and I agree I think it's a tough time right now to be a young teenager and I actually have one more point that I really want to make in this just to let you know sort of how it stems like money and mindset okay told you that I grew up my whole life only shopping at swap meets generally speaking um I realized this about um 3 years ago i i consume a lot you you've said this before in a lot of your podcasts you you are frugal but bougie right <laughs> <laughs> you're that thrifty fancy shopper i wasn't and always it, that
0: way though but yes
1: <laughs> and i would say i am too but i think on your podcast on fire she she had mentioned this too she said like you know It's not that I was buying expensive things, but I was buying $120 jeans, 100 pairs of $20 jeans at H&M or whatever. And I've come to realize this three years ago. I am a big shopper. I could buy stuff and that I never wear and just have it here because because it makes me feel good. Mm -hmm. That I have nice things. (laughs) This is actually a silly joke kind of on a tangent but I always wanted to have a closet full of Zara clothes because Zara <laughs> to me was the fanciest most expensive and like top of you know that was my Chanel you know yeah like, yeah people's designer and I'm like one day I'm gonna have enough money or my whole closet's gonna be Zara and I I don't know if I'm proud of that it is I would say 90% of my closet is but I just buy and I realized this and this three years ago, my girlfriends were talking and they were like, oh, girl, I was, I was out going out the other day. And I looked in the mirror and I was like, damn, I'm cute or I'm whatever. Right. And and they're like, Diana, do you ever feel like that? And I'm like, no, I never look in the mirror and I'm like, I'm so cute. Never. And I realize I am so deeply and I feel so deeply flawed that I buy clothes, shoes and makeup. Because it masks how I feel about my, like, I'm going to say, like, my naked self.
0: Oh, girl, that is deep. Okay?
1: I realized this three years ago. And it was a conversation with my partner. And which was really awful because he was like, wow. And he was like, do you you still want to talk about this? And I'm like, no, I think I said everything I need. But yeah, I realized (laughs) that. I do not. I am somebody who does not generally, and it's something that I'm working on. I don't like to look at myself like after a shower. I'm not like, yes, look at that girl in the mirror. She fine. No, no, no. I wait until. And so I can look in the mirror and say, ooh, I put together a cute outfit. And it's essentially my mask that I cover on how I truly feel about the way I look. And I'm like, I, I often have to check myself and say, Diana, am I invested? if that's the real root of the problem, stop investing in the things that mask mm-hmm. you
0: mm-hmm. and start
1: investing in the things that will help fix you. Right? Oh my
0: gosh. I love this so much. I can't handle it.
1: <laughs> I, I, I only came to this realization. I didn't know that about myself and girl. Yes. I just bought myself a pair of made. Well, $135. Jeans. <laughs> that jeans. is actually, it was like, I, I've heard about these and I, I was like, this is going to be a good investment piece. And I want to stop buying just to buy lots of things and I think she said the same thing in her in her podcast in the podcast that you recorded with her about um on the Miller's
0: spending right
1: yes yes and I think that's what you do when you're like I don't just shop to shop you know like I've worked really hard you look at your numbers and you're like you know what I've earned this I'm gonna Mm -hmm. buy myself that Louis Vuitton bag that I've always wanted and it's not gonna like blow you know blow my budget or break the bank my bills are paid I don't have debts that I'm just sitting on like really really pay it uh, buy things intentionally and I think I'm moving in that direction I'm definitely not there yet and I know I have a lot of internal work that I need to do but I really wanted to make that point because I don't know how many other girls who listen to this feel that way and I guess it's just know that you don't don't need to buy the things and it's not again it's not for other people it's for myself it's like I buy Cute clothes because I want other. It's I buy it because that's the only way I feel better about myself.
0: You yeah, know? that is deep. Yeah. Since you are on this journey to self discovery and just making you know yourself aware of what you need mentally, physically, spiritually, just to be at your best, self, can you talk a little bit about some self care practices that you've put into place to, you know, feed your soul, feed your mind. And just be the best that you can be.
1: Yes, I would say that working out really helps me. I don't do it for the physical portion of it, like if I'm going to get abs. Um, working out really generally de-stress. I mean, you can look up all the great research on how it helps build energy, relieve stress, releases dop- you know, dopamine and endorphins and all that great stuff. So, I would say that working out consistently. So do it three to four days a week. And this does not have to be the gym. This could be Zumba, dance, whatever. Riding your bike, playing basketball, tennis. But um, working out and making sure that that's a part of your everyday week, I would say really. And it makes me feel better. Like, the, you know, that saying, no one ever leaves a workout. Like, oh, I hated that. Like, why did I work out? No, like, you almost always feel great. I mean, I walk out of my workouts, and sometimes I feel like I'm Beyonce. <laughs> 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 and it just makes me, it gives me a really good, a good boost of confidence. So working out. The other thing I've been on and off with, and I want to continually maybe add more consistently, is my brother had bought me a, the five-minute uh, gratitude journal. And it's five minutes in the morning and it's five minutes in the evening. And honestly, it's a mental check because it's so easy to get down on ourselves about anything that happened that day, maybe the day prior, you know, your boss said something, a coworker said something, your novio said something, your esposo said something that bothered you and you hold on to it. Right. Yep. And so a gratitude journal is just an easy way to say, you know what? There's all these other wonderful things in my life. I should really let this go. It's not that important. Um, So that was that would be the second thing that um, I've been working to implement into my life. Um, And then I would say the third thing is any form of like just taking breaths. And I I'm not really into yoga. I'm not really into intuitive healing. I just haven't done it enough or researched it enough. But I definitely know that breathing really helps when you're upset or angry or frustrated. Like just take a couple minutes, take a couple breaths, um, slowly in and out, and then go back to whatever you were doing. I think that really
0: helps. I can absolutely vouch for that. I think breathing techniques and learning how to literally relax yourself is one of the things that has helped me with anxiety You know, and I think, um, you know, between therapy and just realizing like what your triggers are and then finding ways to, to control them. I think that just, that can go so far, but it's about, you know, first knowing what those things even are.
1: I would say therapy too. I just haven't started my therapy session. So I was like, oh, I can't speak on how that's going or, but a hundred percent, you already know, I said this earlier, please, anybody treat therapy like you treat PE class. Yes.
0: (laughs) I love that. Do
1: it for preventative. Do it for if you're dealing with things. Do it with your partners. Do it. It's just so important. It's and of course I know it. And you know I don't know about you, but it's covered by my insurance for the most part. Oh yeah. So so if if you're like really worried about the money aspect of it, just double check your insurances. Most insurances um, cover a psychologist or
0: psychiatrist. Yep. Uh, And nowadays with the apps like Talkspace and mm -hmm. BetterHelp and those things, they actually have sliding scales for um, how much you pay based on your income. So it's really just trying to make it accessible to anybody at any income level, which I think is just so important because therapy definitely shouldn't be something that's just for the people that have great insurance and you know, hundreds of dollars just waiting around to be spent at a doctor's office.
1: A hundred percent. You know, I want to say one other thing, which is kind of contradicting. Productivity really makes puts me in a good space. And I say that with, you know how there's like Eastern and Western culture. I learned this in, in college that in, in the Eastern culture, it's always about being. We are in the Western culture. We're like doers, right? We're like, what time is it? I got to do. I got to do. I got to be productive all the time. Got to do, mm-hmm. do, do what time is it? And in the Eastern culture, they're like, sometimes it's just about being. And I like all the things that I just said earlier are much more focused on the being, taking time for yourself, take a breath, do the journaling, work out because you, it feels, feels good for you. But I personally, and I know this does, maybe doesn't work for everybody, I feel good when I'm productive. And I say that with because I've spent so much time being like, I want to do this thing and that thing and this thing and that and not doing anything. And not doing anything. And that really, then you're just kind of digging yourself in a deeper and deeper and deeper hole because you haven't done crap. Right. Right. And then when you start being productive, I, again, this is, you start feeling good because like I told you, all right, step one, let me, let me send out this pitch email with my flyer to the organizations, to the Latino organizations that I want to work with. Cause I want to speak to young Latino students. And one door opened. All right. And another door opened. Okay. And it's like it builds. And like I said, for me, it reinforces that what I'm doing is right. Rather than not doing anything at all and just talking about it.
0: Well, and I don't think there's any better way of building your confidence than actually putting yourself out there and realizing that that thing that you said you wanted to do, you can actually do it and you do Uh it well.
1: 100%. So I think those are really what's helped me overcome or deal with what I was feeling over the last that was only just last year um and and kind of pulling me out of this of this depression or I always say funk because I'm like I don't know if I'm clinically depressed I haven't I haven't actually been diagnosed and I think we, we you know we throw that term around somewhat loosely um so I don't know but I was I was in a dark place and and that's what's helped me come out of that
0: yeah
1: I actually want to add one thing and I don't I don't know if you follow Gina Rodriguez
0: I do I love her
1: I love her and I know people have their qualms with her because she's done things whatever but I love her and I don't know if you remember her speech at the Emmys where she said where she won the award for being the virgin okay so if you I like went down a rabbit hole like watching her videos because I was like this girl's my best friend she just (laughs) doesn't know it (laughs) um and uh so she said she grew up her whole life with her dad used to whisper in her ear like when she was a little girl growing up in Chicago today's a good day you can and you will today is a good day you can and you will and she would be like hi puppy like you know they come in boss you're weird right (laughs) like any any normal kid would do And she grew up her whole life like that. So by the time her and her sisters, I would say, were more matured, maybe in their adolescence slash early 20s, they felt unstoppable. They had been told their entire life that whatever they wanted to do, they could and they would. Right? Because their dad really implement, dug that deep into, it's not just their mind, but your heart. When you are told over and over and over again, something that powerful, a hundred percent, you're going to believe it. And in her speech, her, when she won her award, she said, I knew this because you did a video on this, but on in her speech, she said, you know what? This is for my dad. He told me every day to think, Today's a good day. I can and I will. And she said, Dad, I can't and I did.
0: Oh, my gosh. That was like I started bawling when I saw that I couldn't do
1: <laughs> I'm like, mic drop. I just and the reason I'm saying this is because sometimes that oftentimes that's what we need. Tell yourself every day. It doesn't have to be I'm beautiful. I'm, I mean, if those are what works for you, absolutely. But something that simple. Today's a good day. I can and I will.
0: That's going to be the mantra for March. That's my mantra. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, girl. I appreciate you.
1: Yes, that's my birthday month. Yes. Pisces. So we are in my uh, my astrology month. And so I, I agree. I, today's a good day. This month, today is a good month, or this month is a good month. We can and we will. <laughs> we
0: will. And it just goes to show you the power of words, not just the ones that you spew out to other people, but the ones that you tell yourself.
1: Absolutely. I would say are more important. Yes. I just shared a post about like the biggest traps that we are. It's like what will mentally help you is the whispers you say to yourself. It was something like that.
0: Yeah.
1: And I a hundred percent. It is changing what you talk how you talk to yourself. Yep. Because we probably I'm not just the hardest on ourselves, put ourselves
0: down often. Oh, that's so true. Would Would you say half of the things to other people that you say to yourself? Like, that's the one question I think mm, you have to ask yourself.
1: <laughs> uh-huh. I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, it's so true. I would never tell my girlfriends the stuff that I tell myself. I'm yeah. like, you're beautiful. You're amazing. You're slaying. Girl, yes. You're fine. Get it, girl. You know,
0: you're so yeah. smart. I'm so proud of you. It's like, why don't I tell myself those yes. things? Yes. <laughs> That's that's the habit that we need to get into, because at the end of the day, like anything that has to do with self-confidence starts with the self. It's literally in the word. Mm hmm. So 100 percent. So I have a question for you, because it, you, you talked about this like at the beginning of our discussion where you want to be the voice to the 22 year olds that you didn't have for yourself. So mm-hmm. what advice would you give your 22-year-old self? Oh, first and
1: foremost, the, there is no need for money short-term gain. You need to look at money always long-term. That to me is like everybody wants the big money now, right? That's something that's how I was when I was 22, I'm like, "Oh, yeah, I'm going to make that much money." It's mm-hmm. like, "No, no, 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 no." You know? And I, and I was like, why? I'm not going to put that in. What's the retirement fund? Why would I want them to take money out of my account? No, I want all the money. <laughs> and I think that the first thing I would tell myself is that. Yeah. Is to understand that short-term gain is not going to fulfill you in any way. And you're going to look back and regret it. It's always about the long-term goal. One. Two, this is like a very practical one put your money in an ally savings account. Lord Jesus Christ. I have <laughs> no idea, girl, that like, I should have put my savings in a high yield uh, interest rate account. I just, mm-hmm. you know, you leave it in your big banks. Yeah. Wh- what? No one told me that. Oh my God. <laughs> and I don't care if you're working part time, if you have an internship that pays you, if whatever you're doing, save at least 10% of that money and put it open up an ally account, do yourself, do yourself and pay yourself first, please. Oh my gosh. That's what I would tell my 22 years, 22 year old self. I, I love think, that. The, I think the next thing I would, I would tell myself is, um, Oh my God, build your confidence before you get in relationships. Oh really my God. Do the work. I'm <laughs> yes. making sure that you, who says, Will Smith says this, it is not your partner's responsibility to make you happy. It is your... And I think we're like, oh, but he doesn't make me happy. Or like, you don't know how to make me happy. Or you don't make me happy. Like, what? That responsibility isn't on anybody else mm-hmm. except for you. A hundred percent work on yourself, on your self-confidence um, before you get into relationships. Because often what happens is we end up getting in toxic relationships. Yep. Um, And so... <laughs> have you <laughs> it's the truth no girl say... please I'm like
0: <gasps> thinking about my 19 year old self like bitch I don't even know what that was <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I would also say this and you said you asked me in the beginning if there's anything that's not off the table it really also affects sex and I think oftentimes we have sex for the wrong reasons yep in a young, in when we're, I mean, when you're young, but also even in that 1920, and you're just either doing it all the time with multiple partners or not doing it at all. Cause you're whatever. When you have real self-confidence and understand who you are, you will make better choices with who you want to get intimate with. And that was a, that is probably one of the biggest lessons I would tell myself, um, my twenty two year old self. Yeah. You know, I felt like I just did it because I thought that's what guys liked or that's how you were gonna be accepted or that's how they were gonna like you or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, all the horrible reasons that you would put yourself in that situation and and yeah, I would say that uh It's all about external
0: validation.
1: Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um I would also my my third thing I would tell my 22-year-old self is understand your worth and value not just personally when it comes to career.
0: Yes. And
1: when I also do the work. Like what I mean like don't be like, "Oh, I'm amazing and great just to be amazing <laughs> and great." <Grammy>. You <laughs> are, girl, but we are often and I think this comes culturally very submissive like oh they're only gonna pay you whatever like okay I'll take that yeah like "Mm, I'm gonna sit in the corner and not say anything and, Mm -hmm. and just be you know and I I had a moment in my career in my 20s where I was offered another job and so I went to go resign and often this this is the best leverage that you can have in career, right? When you get, when you're gonna resign and they're like, no, actually we really value you. And you're like, why didn't you tell me this the three years that I've been here? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But what I say is that understand your worth and value when it comes to career, because I didn't. And I was always like, okay, I'll take that. Yeah, you're only gonna pay me nothing. Okay, yeah, that's perfect. Okay, I don't know my worth and value from a career standpoint. When I like, when you're like, okay, I've done the internships, I've done the work, I have really great experience. Know what that value is in a dollar amount, but also in confidence, because it can help you career soar in ways that you never imagined. But when you lack all those things, your career trajectory feels so much longer. Like, oh, my God, becoming a director feels like I'm never going to get there. Right. Right. And I had an instance in my career where I went to go resign and my VP was like, Diana, I can't lose you. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, I have this opportunity, and he's like, okay, what are your th- th- three? What can I do to make you stay? And he's like, tell me what I need to. Do. I was like, all right, these are my three wishes. I want this much money. I don't want to be contracted. I want to be full time with full benefits, and I want this type of schedule, right? And he mm-hmm. said, if I can make that come true in two hours, will you stay? I said, I will think about it. I know. And I'm not kidding you, girl. I'm like, Oh, my God, who am I? Who's that person in there?
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's fine. As long as he doesn't see that. I know. Right.
1: And it's somewhere, right? You're like you, you find it somewhere Mm -hmm. where you start to understand that. And it's like, wow, why could not I have come to him a year ago, two years ago and said, Hey, I really want more money. This is why. Okay, and I'm sure we can go into a whole like you can't just ask for a promotion or money without like backed up numbers on how you're contributing to the company's bottom line. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if I had understood that so much earlier on, um, I would have been further off. But anyways, this was the pivotal moment in my career because essentially I ended up skipping two positions and making double the amount of money I was making. Wow. In that small having just a little bit of confidence. And you know what I say? Girl, I say that I that was the moment, and I I just told you my whole story. I'm still I have my ebbs and flows. That I say I started sewing my
0: cape. I love that. Oh my right? god! It
1: was the moment that I was like, all right,
0: I guess I I guess I am
1: I am pretty great.
0: <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because this story reminds me of um a post that I saw on social media, and I'm pretty sure I reposted it because it was so fabulous. Somebody said something like girl go ahead and apply to that job that you're not qualified for because the white men in this room oh that are i doing that job are also not qualified
1: girl for i reposted it too <laughs> i reposted it too and i showed it to my one latina that i work with and we were both yes. like hell yes i have <laughs> I, I would tell you one other instance in career so my 20 so this is why it really matters so that that pivotal moment changed my career now mind you even though i had let's call it more confidence i told you that i went through the trauma of being fired for essentially not being good enough at my job i yeah. still to this day have moments where i'm like if they're meeting with hr i'm like oh my god they're gonna fire me i still <laughs> have i think it's like ptsd from the moment being fired yes. it's awful yeah. and i think i so I still have those instances, and I'm like, no, 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 Diana, stop it. You're great. You know, you have to like check yourself. Um, but in one of my career and one of my jobs, I had moved up quickly. They had, and they offered me. Uh, I know that this sounds very selfish. Um, they gave me a boost in salary, a salary increase. But I had already put so my annual performance was due, right? And I, girl, did all the work. I was like, this is all the ways I've contributed to the company. This is all the upsells. Like, I had a number. I'm like, I've added over half a million dollars to the company in just one year. I broke it down. I had it all, like, typed out. And I was like, I wanted, like, 11% increase. Right? Mm -hmm. And so I never had the opportunity to, like, showcase my why. And they just brought me in and they're like, here's 4% increase. Thank you for all the work you're doing. And I was like, wait, I mean, thank you. But like, how did you guys come up with that number? Yeah. You know? And so I told my boss and I was like, hey, I really appreciate it. Obviously, anybody appreciates more money. Anyways, long story short, they were like, all right, we'll go back to the I I wanted to ask for more money and a promotion. My boss ends up leaving. a company who I loved so much mm. and let's say her role in essence became available and I was like okay well let me restructure this so they actually came to me and were like Diana we want to make you a director of this group here's what the numbers look like right this would be your responsibilities I said thank you I really appreciate that you guys see that in me but I, I actually have my own and this is what I want and they were like, ooh, oh, I don't know, you know, like we're going to have to talk to the CFO. And I said, okay, great. Like, in, do you want to meet in two weeks? <laughs> like, no, 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 girl, this is my money, okay? Like, yeah. this is my livelihood. Like, girl, uh-uh. Mm-hmm. So two weeks pass, three weeks pass, and it's I'm dealing with a, and I don't mean to be rude about this, but a white woman. <laughs> and it's the truth. I'm dealing with a white woman. And so I, we had another call, and I was like, hey, we, we finished our conversation. I said, I want to bring up that money and role and promotion that we had talked about. Did you get a chance to talk to the CFO about what I want? Oh, and I said, and I told her this and I had no shame because I knew how valued I was because I knew how great I was. And I told her, I said, listen, woman to woman, if I was a white male, it would be no problem if I would have came to you, walked into the room and said, Hey, where's my money? And you would not have blinked twice or thought it was weird. <laughs> oh, shit. And she was like, Well, Dana, I think we grew up in different times. And she was like pretty old. She was like our consultant. So she was like in her fifties, let's say. Okay. And I said, You're right. I said, had you done the work to open up the door. She was like, When I was up, grow- you know, and during my time in advertising, like, you know, we just took the dollar amount or whatever. And I was like, you're right. Had you done a better job of being able to negotiate and open the doors for women, we would not be having to have this conversation. Like, shame on you for being so submissive and not caring. You didn't understand (laughs) the impact that you, it's the truth. If you, you didn't do the work. So now we're sitting in this, having this conversation. Yeah. That is really uncomfortable for me. I have to tell you about how important my money is rather than like, yeah, let's just talk about that promotion and that money. And this is like what we negotiated. and This is what we came up with. Mm-hmm. You know, and I did. And I'm telling you, there was these moments in my career where I was sewing my cape where I was, I'm just tired of like, of that. And I'm like, and I, I, I have, I know where my strengths lie. And I know where my weaknesses lie. And I'm like, I could be great somewhere else. So either you're going to give me this opportunity or not. But those are the things I would tell my 20 self: is, is money. Like, be smart about money. It doesn't matter how much money you make. I don't care if you're making minimum wage. And I say this loosely, too, because there's probably a lot of people that maybe help their families. You know, have your they have a lot of expenses because their families can't pay for it. But, like, pay yourself first. Put it in a high interest rate account. 100%. Right now. I mean, everybody should do that, like, right now. Mm-hmm. Learn, learn to work on yourself before you get into any relationships and understand the why behind why you probably are sexually active or have multiple partners like do the work on yourself and understand your worth and value when it comes to work career Um, and try to figure out what that number is and do your research because it'll take you so much longer to get to where you want to be if you always accept the first option because being being a woman and then being a latina is even harder for us so any opportunity you get to shine and showcase like do it and i'm going to say for the most part when you do i'm most of the time you will get compensated
0: or whatever form that is absolutely oh my gosh thank you so much girl this was an amazing conversation can you tell us more about where we can follow you in your journey?
1: Yes, and thank you. This was incredible. I mean, I, I really, really appreciate even that you created a platform to talk about the things that we just talked about, right? And thank how you. vital they are to this community um, and and to us, to all of us. It, it doesn't matter what age. Um, yes, so you can find me. Um, my Instagram is at Latina. Um, and then my website is the misinformed Latina.com. And yeah, I think my next big step, I'm actually launching a podcast, um, with my best friend called bestie, bestie, bonbon, bon, a little play oh, on bitty, bitty, bonbon. I love it. Yeah, and so it's it's a it's still under the umbrella of misinformed Latina, where we're going to be talking about the same topics. We're just going to be bringing on experts in those spaces. So if we talk about mental health, I'm going to bring on a mental health expert. If we talk about relationships, I have like a sex a therapist that I really like that I'm going to bring on. If we talk about finances, somebody like yourself, I'm going to bring that on. So I want to make sure that everyone can get this this uh, resource um, as easily as possible. And then, of course, making sure that all of those are still available on my site. But I'm hoping to launch my podcast in March. I don't have a set date yet, but it's my birthday month. So I think it really just aligns with everything that I want to do. Um, so, yeah. And, you know, a little homage to Miss Miss Selena, because she meant so much to me and to a lot of Latinas growing up, especially as we dealt with dual identity of being american and latina so you know that's she's really so the true. perfect icon shout out to selena
0: because sh- <laughs> i feel like you know um j-lo gets a lot of credit for being like this multi-hyphenic woman that's doing all of this stuff but selena was doing it before j-lo not for nothing she really was i think it's because
1: <laughs> j-lo's still here and yes you get to see her and, and, you know, and she clearly invites you into her life because of social media. And yeah. had Selena ever had that opportunity, I think she would be bigger. No, not to J-Lo. She's great. But I think she would be bigger because she just, she really paved that way. And, like, everybody loved her. And, you know, it's like. Yeah. But yes. One more time. What was the name of the podcast? So my podcast is going to be called Bestie Bestie Bon Bon, a podcast with me and my best friend Alvia. Um, and that should be launching in March, but I'm going to be, um, uh, misinformed Latina.
0: Excellent. Diana, again, thank you so much for this conversation. I think we talked about a lot, girl, and we have so many nuggets of just advice for self-care, for mental health, for empowerment of the woman. And, uh, I'm just, I love this conversation. So thank you again.
1: Thank you. I really, really, from the bottom of my corazón, appreciate the opportunity to come on and and speak to you and speak to your audience. Thank you so much.
0: I really loved our conversation with Diana, and I think it shows the power of the mind and mindset. Mindset, I truly believe, is the difference between those who live in abundance and those who lack. It takes a mindset shift to take control over your money and your life instead of having them control you. When you become conscious of ways that you may be self-sabotaging, you can begin to take the necessary steps to reshape that narrative and start to harness your true potential. If you guys are loving these podcasts, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts so that people can actually find us. I think the most important thing you can do is share this with your friends and family and anyone that you think would enjoy these podcasts. And I really appreciate the love and support that I've been getting on social media. You can follow me on Instagram at Yo Quiero Dinero Podcast. There's always something popping off over there. And that's also a great place to contact me if you have a guest that you'd love to hear on the podcast. So as always, take care, I love y'all and stay poderosa.